Piedmont Opera in Winston-Salem is opening their new season with Verdi's Il Trovatore, October 20th, 22nd, and 24th. Heading up the cast will be Grammy Award-winning UNCSA alum Tashina Vaughn. The acclaimed mezzo-soprano was raised in Winston-Salem, and her early years were steeped in musical activity like studying the clarinet, playing in marching band, singing in choirs. In 1989, Vaughn won the Metropolitan Opera National Council auditions and made her stage debut there as Lily in Gershwin's Porgy and Bess, and that was in 1990. After that, she had a great, has had a great international career, including eight years performing with Staatstheater in Stuttgart as principal artist, and she's earned the German honorific title there of Kammersängerin, which I hope I said right, <laughs> which means <laughs> singers of the highest merit. And I'm so happy, Tashina Vaughn, to have you as a guest on Piedmont Arts today. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm honored to be here. So you are back home, basically. You are performing with the hometown company. What's that like for you? It's so awesome. I can't even tell you. I began here at University of North Carolina School of the Arts. And uh, one of my first performances on an operatic stage was with Piedmont Opera in the opera, The Mikado. And I was in the chorus. Prior to that though, actually, I had had the honor of presenting Leontine Price. My first year came um, as a student here. Leontine Price came to do a concert, one of her last, I think. And I was allowed the great honor of presenting her roses on the Stephen Center stage. Wow. So that's just a few of the amazing memories and uh, experiences that I have from the Stephen Center. Wow, that's great. So um, now I am not completely up on the current events with the Stephen Center, but is it open? I thought they were it re- is, renovating it. Yeah, well, that is the whole, the crux of the thing. This will be Piedmont Opera's last performances there. I believe in November it will close down for renovations for the next three to five years is what's estimated at the moment. Okay, okay. So this is a big sort of, um, I don't know what you'd call it. It's not a swan song. <laughs> no, <laughs> but no. It's, it's a... I call it going, she's going into rehab. <laughs> We're celebrating before the rehab, right? Exactly. <laughs> You're going to be uh, singing the role of Azucena in Il Trovatore. We don't have time to, you know, get into a big synopsis or anything like that, but can you just tell us a little bit about this role? Who's this character and what's what does it take to portray this character? Well, Azucena is, is a character that I really love to portray, and I feel like she's a character that... Um, especially women, but surely all people can connect to. Her situation is that she is a mother who has been tasked by her dying mother with a task to do, but it conflicts with her motherhood. So we're all children of someone and A lot of us, many of us are parents of someone. I feel that anybody who lives in that way sometimes has a conflict between what your parents are asking you and what you need to do for your children. And so in that way, I think she has a very familiar type of situation, although not many of us will be called into the exact situation that she's in. But I feel that's the crux. It's this dilemma between loyalties. And is it a... um... How many ha- how many times have you per- 
uh, done this role, and does it take a lot of preparation for you to get back into this role, or do you just show up and it, it happens? <laughs> <laughs> no, there are no roles that you just show up. And no matter, in my opinion, in my experience, no matter how many times you've done them, um, they all take a certain amount of preparation when you do them again, because as humans, we are always evolving and changing. I mean, every day, you know, your hair is going, you're, you're aging, whatever the case is. So you always need to sort of retune the instrument when you approach it. And as to the number of performances, I should really know that, but I don't. <laughs> I would say a lot. I would estimate at least 10 productions around the world, but the exact number of performances I don't happen to have. Well, do you feel like you've retooled the role much over the years? Well, that's the thing about an, an operatic role. There are so many layers to it. A lot of people think that once you learn the notes and the rhythms and the words on the page, that you've done the job. But that's, for me, just the beginning. Then there are all those other little squiggly lines on the page that the composer intended that you need to pay attention to, which also tell you something about it. And particularly if it's in a foreign language, but also if it's in your mother tongue, there's always another depth of a phrase or a text that you can reach for. So I feel that each time, not only each production, but each performance, even for example, we have three performances in this production, but each one will have something different about it, you know? And so, yes, I think that it's um, important to always take the score out again, to go through it again, and to see who you are in that moment as an artist and what you will bring every time. Tell us a little bit about how you got started in opera and, and what made you decide, this is what I want to do. It's interesting. I, I often say that opera chose me because um, I grew up here in Winston singing in the choir at, at Shallow Baptist Church. And my mother often asked me to sing at home in her living room. I said that was really my first stage. I used to like to sing Natalie Cole and Patti LaBelle and all of those. And we all thought that that was the path that I would take. And my mother allowed every opportunity possible for me to um, engage in that. And then when we moved to Atlanta, she worked for um, Piedmont Airlines, which became US Air. And she transferred to Atlanta uh, eventually. And there she discovered there was a performing arts high school. This is at the time when fame was really popular. And uh, we called ourselves sort of the fame of the South. And she put me into this performing arts high school where I also did mostly popular music and Broadway, but the director of the school recognized this affinity for classical music in my voice and started to teach me. As a matter of fact, the first aria that I ever sang was Street de la Vampa, which he taught me syllable by syllable after school to prepare me for my college auditions. Wow. Yeah, and so in that way, he um, facilitated me getting auditions for several universities. And at the time, one of those was Georgia State, which then accepted me. And I started my study there, but I have to admit, I wasn't quite ready for it. So I ended up transferring from Georgia State to and coming home to University of North Carolina School of the Arts, which I was so glad that I did. And then the path was set. So when you transferred, you said you weren't quite ready for it when you were at Georgia State. Were you transferring to to do something besides studying opera 
at UNCSA or? Well, no, what had happened was in my high school performing arts education, it was really just popular music. I, we didn't really learn theory. We didn't learn to read music. We learned to sing and perform. And so when I arrived at Georgia State, I was not ready for the study of music. And so I didn't really read music. I didn't know. I was still, you know, mispronouncing things like Brahms as Baham, you know. And um, <laughs> the instructor that I had, who was a great mezzo, Florence Copliff, was just above my understanding. And I had been an intelligence student. I had had honor roll in high school and everything. And truly, my lack of knowledge just began to show up. So that in my first semester, I basically went from like a C in theory to a D to a F, you know, and I just felt it was beyond me. And to be honest, I was then offered a musical in Atlanta and I just decided I'm not going to go back. Right. Um, But what happened was, which is, you know, just one of those what I call God incidences. We always came home for Christmas and uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas. And when I came home that year, one of my family members had gotten a job at the School of the Arts on the staff. And so at Thanksgiving dinner, one of my cousins said, well, you know, Uncle So-and-so is now working over at School of the Arts. And I said, is there a school of the arts in our hometown? And he said, yes. And I said, where is it? I think I want to come home because I did want to study it. I just, it wasn't the right environment. It wasn't the right moment. And so that's what I did. I ended up going over and making an audition and, and then transferring to really settle down and try to understand what this classical music was and if it was really the path for me. So you just had to find the right place. That's it. That's it. Although I will say I'm still not exclusive. I still do like to sing jazz and gospel when I have the opportunity, but this is my life's work. Right. And I was going to ask you about that because I did notice, you know, if you go out on YouTube or or whatever, you can find videos of you singing things like Nature Boy, uh, you know, um, and and gospel. So how often do you do that? Whenever I can. Whenever I can. It just so happened that in the pandemic times, you know, there was not uh, a lot of performing being able to be done in theaters. And what happened was I was actually at a coffee shop having a coffee at an outdoor sort of space with a friend uh, in Germany there. And I noticed they were setting up some kind of event. And so I asked, you know, what, what, is, what is going on here later? And they said, oh, we're having live music because it was an outdoor space. They could have live music. And I said, oh, well, how do you get to be a part of um, the program? And they said, oh, well, give us your phone number. <laughs> and as I went into the uh, barista to ask for a pen and paper, because obviously I was out for coffee. I wasn't prepared for um, a gig. And the person in line behind me said, do you have a pianist? You're a singer. Do you have a pianist? And I said, oh, well, no, but um, we can talk. Ilka Kraska was her name, the pianist. We talked over the next few days and we came up with a program of standards, basically, that we knew and enjoyed the opportunity to perform while everything was closed down quite a lot. Wow. So is the experience vastly different for you to to do those the standards and the popular music or what you know, jazz and then sing classically? I guess that depends on what form 
of classical is being sung. I feel like singing is singing. And it all takes a certain amount of athletic, what you might call inner athletic ability, um, no matter how you, uh, no matter what the genre is that you're um, doing. Obviously, a character like Azucena takes much more inner peace and inner connection than, for example, Nature Boy. So in that way, you may have some differences. But for me, the art of singing is the art of singing. Everything takes the same amount of commitment and energy and desire to communicate, which is the bottom line of singing, you know? I'm not a fan of just hearing beautiful sounds, you know? I feel like we are the instruments that get the words. So we have to be very conscious of using them. I saw on a video um, where you said that anybody can sing. Mm-hmm. It, it has to do with, well, how did you put it, learning how to do it? Or you can you expound on that? Well, it is very true. Everybody has lungs. Everybody has all of the necessary instruments to sing. Of course, the degree of the gift of singing is different, but it can be developed. And I've seen this in my experience, just because the voice that you hear at the beginning of study does not knock you off your feet, does not mean that with the proper attention, the proper care and the proper application of the technical um, capacities, understanding of the technical capacities does not mean that it won't be at the end of study, a voice that will knock you off your feet. Obviously, there's ear training, there's being able to match pitch. I mean, there are a lot of things that go into being a professional singer, but the art of singing is possible for each and every human being. That's good to hear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. I did want to ask you about, since I mentioned YouTube, um, you have what's called the Gratitude Channel on mm-hmm. YouTube. Can you tell us a little bit about that and, and what you try to do with that? The Gratitude Channel was born, I say, let's see, in 2018, I think, I started um, being freelance again after being, uh, after, you know, 20 years, basically, of being what they call Fest, which is part of an ensemble that belongs to a state opera in Germany. And my first freelance assignment was a Porgy and Bess in London at the Coliseum with the English National Opera. And what struck me about it, I had done a number of Porgy and Besses along the way, but what struck me about this one was it was my first one where the chorus was not made up of entirely Americans. Although they were all people of color, there were about 22 nations in the room, which was an amazing experience, first of all. I mean, we were in this rehearsal space and you know, everybody were people of color, but over here you would hear people speaking in this click tongue. And over here you would hear people speaking French. And over here, you know, it was it was an amazing mirage. And not to mention they were some amazingly talented people. And I don't know why I felt like everybody needed to know about this, (laughs) you know, that there were, you know, these singers who hadn't had a lot of opportunity to be seen in the world. And I mean, I just decided that whatever little bit of, you know, influence I might have had, I wanted to use it to gain, help them gain exposure. So I started going around the room 
I started with the premise of 10 questions. Um, and during the breaks in rehearsal, during uh, whatever time, I would go around and I would say, can I interview you? For my, my I don't know if I even had formed the channel when I started the interviews. It was just uh, a thought that occurred to me. And so I would go around and, I, and because I was so intrigued by this concept, but I didn't want to go around saying, you know, where are you from and what, what's that language you're speaking? I made up these questions that was like, you know, it's, tell me your favorite saying in your native tongue. <laughs> and I guess out of this gratitude for this experience and this exposure, I decided to compile them all on a YouTube channel called the Gratitude Channel. Which people can find very easily if they just, yes. I guess, just search for your name or for the Gratitude Channel. The Gratitude Channel, yeah. yeah. And that you've just sort of kept that going as you can? Yes. Well, I have to admit, um, in the past, um, let's say half a year, there have been a lot of, um, I've been quite busy with other projects. So um, there aren't very many new videos at the moment, but I do intend to keep it going. Yes. Well, I want to thank you so much uh, to Sheena Vaughn for talking to us today for Piedmont Arts. Again, to Sheena Vaughn is a Grammy award-winning UNCSA alum, mezzo-soprano. She is leading the cast in Piedmont Opera's production of Il Trovatore, coming up October 20th, 22nd, and 24th. And she has come back home to do that. She is a Winston-Salem lady, and she is home and in her home turf. So it's great to have you back. And thank you again for being on Piedmont Arts. Thank you so much, Rachel. Such a pleasure. For Piedmont Arts, I'm Rachel Stewart.